Welcome to Same Old Song, the lectionary podcast of Mockingbird Ministries. I'm your co-host, Aaron Zimmerman from Waco, Texas. I'll be joined by Jacob Smith from New York City. Each week we get together to talk about the readings for the upcoming Sunday. We hope to help both the sermon prepping pastor as well as everybody, since we all need to find that thread of grace, the gospel, throughout the scriptures. So dust off your Bible. Let's jump in. Welcome back to the Same Old Song podcast, the Christmas edition. This, of course, is the lectionary podcast of Mockingbird Ministries, where we come to you each week and look at the readings that are prescribed for the coming Sunday. This is hopefully going to help the uh, wayward, lost, or blocked preacher, as well as the interested layperson or non-preacher, just to get ready for uh, the readings coming up this uh, Sunday. But again, in this case, it's the Christmas Eve uh, sermon. So no pressure, but the biggest uh, sermon of the year. Absolutely. And it is the biggest sermon of the year because when you look out upon the secular landscape, uh, more people resonate with Christmas than they do Easter. Now you can get your, you, you can get all excited about that, but Easter is the most important. Get your knickers in a twist, I think is what you mean to say. Well, I'm trying to be PC, but, uh, ah. you know, not to the person on the street. Um, uh, I'm going to steal your line, Aaron. Do it. How many Easter movies are there actually versus Christmas movies? Two, and they were all made by Christian production companies, and they're terrible. Uh, but yeah, there, we got Chevy Chase in a Christmas movie. We got uh, uh, Home Alone, one of the, you know, Die Hard, you know, all these movies that revolve around Christmas. Absolutely. Um, uh, and, uh, and the point is, is that today, I mean, you want to talk about an evangelistic moment. Christmas is the uh, is the season for evangelism. Uh, this is where you can uh, draw them to the greatest gift ever given, uh, the babe in the manger who became the man on the cross. And this uh, this is really, and especially if you're an Episcopalian, it is really important that your sermon is not a forty minute expository masterpiece on uh, Isaiah or Titus or Luke or anything else but rather that it is short, it is quick, it is like a bullet, if you will, to the heart and right to the point. Uh, because, um, you know, I don't know about our non-denom brothers and sisters, but uh, in Episcopalians, people show up a little tanked on Christmas Eve. Yeah, they've been uh, at Grandma's house since 3 p.m., hitting the shrimp cocktail and the gin and tonics pretty hard. And uh, then there's the, you know, the command performance for the matriarch or patriarch of the family. Now we all have to go to uh, St. John's in the field and uh, listen to a service and sing some songs and get dressed up. Uh, and uh, and so attention spans are short. Uh, uh, blood alcohol content is high and people don't know anything about the scriptures. And this is not the time to get super creative in terms of uh, off and left field. I once knew a preacher that thought it would be interesting to meditate on what Joseph was like in his nine months of abstinence during Mary's pregnancy. It wasn't a home run to say the least. Um, and, uh, that's not what you want to do here. I mean, it's the Christmas story. That's what you want to talk about and you want to do it quickly, uh, and have some fun with it. And, uh, it's just a beautiful, wonderful, warm time of year. I mean, in some sense, it's your most receptive audience in that, um, uh, gosh, Christmas is about gift. It's about love. It's about 
good news. I bring you great tidings of good news for all people. I mean, so so there's a lot of good stuff to work with. Just keep it short, keep it simple, and and the, a lot of the liturgy will do the work for you. Absolutely. And so um, one of the one of the most common readings. And if you're if you're going through the lectionary, you'll notice that there's lectionary uh, readings. Uh, there's Christmas readings one, two, and three. And typically, when you see that, you kind of follow along with the year, year one, year two, year three. Um, however, because year three um, or lectionary reading three uh, is John's gospel, and which you will be required to preach on if you're following the lectionary uh, the next Sunday, the first Sunday after Christmas, uh, we thought we would go with um, reading two. And so, and that begins with Isaiah 62. Yeah. And again, you're not going to have a lot of time um, on this, so... This is quite an frankly, Old I think you ought to skip Isaiah and get to right. the story everybody knows. You <laughs> right. know what I mean? Just, but because you know, there's a lot you have to talk about Jerusalem and the people watching on the walls and the northern kingdom and the blah 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 and the, all this sort of stuff. I mean, I think that if you had to say something about Isaiah 62, it's just, hey, your salvation is coming. Verse 11, that, yeah. that God is coming, that someone is coming uh, who's going to save the world um, and uh, save you. And, and because your salvation is coming, uh, you will be God's holy people, the redeemed of the Lord, even with your flushed cheeks. Yes. You are a holy people. This is Simil Eustacet Peccator. That's uh, right. Calling something that is not there into existence. And so even the drunk woman in your congregation who just got in a massive fight with her son, who is sitting next to her with his arms crossed, waiting for you to shut the hell up. Yeah. Uh, you can say right now, you people are the holy people, the yeah. redeemed of the Lord, and you shall be called sought out and the city not forsaken. Yeah. Amen. Amen. <laughs> and and by the way, for that poor kid with his arms crossed uh, or anybody else, by the way, one of the most powerful things about the service is the music. Yes. So again, just public service announcement, the more you know, please just pick the songs that everybody knows. End of rant. <laughs> That's right. This is not the time for uh, the offertory to be like the 23-minute version of Magnum Mysterium. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, stay away from all Renaissance-era music. Uh, let's just get good, like, 18th and 19th century Christmas carols. Uh, Absolutely. And Cows in it. a barn and yeah. uh, cold winter nights. That's right. That's all you want. Just stick to the golden oldies on this one. Can I just tell you, John Piper, if he heard this, would just be like so angry right now. We'd probably show up on John Piper's podcast. John, if you're I, listening, we I love heard you. It, I heard him recently go on like a 20-minute rant on mainline denominations, and I just was like, don't you have anything better to do? But anyway, that's my five-minute rant on John uh, Piper. So anyway, let's go on to Titus. All right, Brother John, we're, we love you. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, so Titus 3, I mean, it's just uh, a really short thing here. Uh, and it's, again, this idea of salvation appearing. So, again, if you want to look at threads to pick up, if you feel the need to talk about all three passages, this salvation appearing, or in verse 4 of Titus 3, God, our Savior, appeared. And it's wonderful mm -hmm. that God is called a Savior. That's the name of him. So this means both, uh, this means two things. One, people need saving. And B, we have a Savior. And then, of course, mm. it goes into verse 5 that he saved us, not because of any works of righteousness that we had done, but his mercy was the only reason. And that, oh, golly, that'll preach six ways from Sunday. Absolutely. And then so that having been justified by what? His grace. grace we might yeah. become now heirs according to the hope of eternal life. 
And lady in the congregation sitting next to your angry son, you both are heirs according to the hope of eternal life because heirs get an inheritance and you do nothing to be an heir. You are, it is, it is what you are, you know, yeah. and you do nothing to get an inheritance. It's given to you. And uh, the inheritance you have been given is eternal life, not an amazing Christmas, but eternal life. Yeah. And I think, you know, there is so much here, too, to talk about, you know, if God were to appear, how would you expect him to appear? And a lot of people mm. see God as judgmental. Uh, the God of Christianity as being just this kind of uh, killjoy who's just out to ruin people's fun. And I just love this passage. It says, when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared. So this is where you can do some work with the people uh, in your congregation. If you use illustrations well and powerfully and make them sort of specific, but general, if you know what I mean. Um, just talk about the ways people feel like there's areas of their life that they're hiding, that there's things going on in secret, that there's things of which they are ashamed or embarrassed. And um, we all fear exposure and rejection, uh, that, you know, the, that it, the truth will come out that none of us have any idea what we're doing. Um, but here God appears, you know, the judge and yet, how does he come? With goodness and loving kindness. And of course, right. moving straight into Luke, uh, you've got, he comes as a baby. What's less judgmental than a baby? Mm, absolutely. Um, and, uh, and so moving into Luke, uh, you know, the one, it opens up verses 1 through 7. And, and you know, Luke was a, was a wonderful historian. And, uh, and this is very important to hammer home to your people. Because there is so much myth and sentimentality that revolves around Christmas but it's, it's really easy to forget that what we are not talking about is myth and sentimentality. What we are actually talking about is history. Uh, the Gospel of Luke does not begin a long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away in the land of Maud and Todd. It begins, in those days, a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. And this was the first registration that was taken actually by real people. We know these people in history. Quirinius, the governor of Syria. You know, the Bible, um, the Bible is set in real time and real history. And this is what makes it very, very important. And this is one of the things that makes the Christmas story incredibly important, is that the baby Jesus, uh, Jesus your Savior, may not be all that helpful for solving family conflicts. But um, it is true. And in that, his work that is true, he has come to redeem family conflicts. And he has come to ultimately save you and I from uh, our sins, your mother's sins, your grandmother's sins, your neighbor's sins, and the sins of the whole world. That's right. Luke doubles down on the historicity of this whole thing. Mm. He gives you so much historical detail here that he's sort of daring you to, to try to call it a myth. You bet. Check it out. Check yeah. it out. And the truth is, is that the more we check it out, the more we find that the story is actually true. Yeah. And, and, then, and so, yeah, go ahead. And then he jumps right into the folks that um, God appears to. And, uh, you know, um, here we are um, uh, not in Rome. Here we are not in Alexandria or in Athens, but we are in the armpit of the armpit of the Roman Empire. We are in um, a... Uh, in a backwater region, and there we see the setting. There are these shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And when we think of shepherds, we oftentimes think of like cute little kids, you know, wearing, you know, uh, rags on their heads with, with uh, sweatbands on top to kind of give them a look. 
Um, but, but the truth is, is that shepherds in those days, although Israel was referred to oftentimes uh, reference themselves as shepherds and the clergy were the shepherds of Israel, the truth is, is that shepherds in Israel's day were the low of the low. These guys were, um, these guys, I mean, just picture like um, folks at a truck stop at two in the morning on Highway 80 in the middle of Iowa. This is this is what we're talking about here, and this is whom God appears to in the middle of the night and stands before and reveals His glory to. Yeah, I mean, because if you think about shepherding, is a pretty terrible job. Like you're yeah. just outside all day, every day. It's not a job that people would pick. This is very kind of a blue collar, uh, rough uh, sort of crowd. Um, so uh, yeah, here, here we are at the truck stop, and the angels appear, and uh, and they they're terrified. Uh, they yeah. are terrified. This, like, this needs, to, I think, in your preaching, this needs to be emphasized. This isn't a cute scene. These guys, uh, you know, somebody's got meth in the bag because they're working late at night. This is, this is a rough scene, and these are rough people. And all of a sudden, they're not just scared. They are terrified because angels have appeared to them. And the angel comes and drops one of the best messages in the world. Uh, do not be afraid. Yeah. And, uh, um, th- yeah, this, this gets back to the idea of how is God going to appear in my life? Um, mm. Because I've got, I've got meth in the bag. I've got, uh, I've got weed at the bottom of my purse uh, for tonight when I get back home after this Christmas service and I'm so stressed I've got to take the edge off. Whatever it is, um, uh, we all have these secret places in our lives, our eating disorders, our anxiety, our panic attacks, um, uh, our, our mental state. And so we, f- we fear judgment. We fear rejection. We fear exposure. And Absolutely. Yet God and it's appears all... and brings grace and says, do yeah. not be afraid. I've got Amen. good news. I've got good news. And all of that is rooted because we actually think at the end of the day, deep down psychologically, that God is coming to deliver bad news. Yeah. But he doesn't say that. He's like, man, I, I, the angels are like, Paul, we got some good news. Because right. guess what? This God that you think is coming to judge you, um, uh, something else is about to happen. Yeah, we expect the SWAT team with the uh, uh, the armored vests uh, to break down the door and tell us to hit the ground. But instead, it's this little baby uh, who's come mm-hmm. to just coo and giggle and laugh and love us. And it is great joy for all the people. For to you is born in this day in the city of David, not an example not a helper, not someone who, we need, who needs us to partner with him. But today, born in the city of David, is a Savior who is yep. the Messiah, the Lord. Uh, that's right. And if there's, by the way, can I footnote? Yeah. Uh, there is no inn. Uh, mm. The room in Greek is guest room. There was no room in the guest room. Joseph went to stay with his extended family who would have been in Bethlehem, uh, and there's no room in the guest room. These houses are built sort of stacked on top of uh, – floors stacked on top of each other as they still build them today. And uh, with all the family coming in for the registration, there's no room in the guest room. It's already full, and so they put them essentially in the in the in what would have been the basement where often sort of, there was storage area. Mm-hmm. Joseph was sort of sleeping in the garage apartment. Um, a little bit here. 
Um, yes, right. With Mary. I don't want biblical ignorance to go out anymore into the land about they stopped at the Motel 6 and there was no room there. So uh, they had to they had to find this manger. Um, right. It's just we have this picture that comes from maybe bad Christmas carols and bad movies. Mm. Uh, and from the, all, obviously the creche on everybody's mantelpiece with that little wooden hut. I mean, it just it yeah. wasn't that. So anyways. Um, if you want to see one firsthand where Mary and Joseph would have been staying, uh, you can come with Calvary St. George's on our Holy Land pilgrimage in 2019, and all of the details are on our webpage. I'm always selling. But, uh, I'm, but uh, you know, it's interesting. You talk about these images that we have. Um, I have a friend who's a, who's a vicar in the Church of England, and they rent um, their church out to an Ethiopic congregation in the evening. Yeah. And uh, um, a couple of years ago, they decided to do a joint service. I don't know if I told you this story, but... Uh, uh, they decided to let the, allow the Ethiopic uh, church to do their um, tableau, you know, their um, their manger uh, service and uh, uh, to tell the story. And it was so funny because when Mary uh, comes to the quote unquote room, they didn't have a manger either. But she comes with like a herd of like 30 women and Joseph is nowhere to be found. And uh, it kind of upset the English congregation. They were like, what's going on? And, and the, Ethi- the Ethiopians were like, well, of course, like the husband wouldn't be anywhere around. And they would never leave a pregnant woman by herself. But it's all of these images that we have projected upon it. Now, yeah. that, that, but that's, and, and that's fine. And that's where most of your congregation is going to be. But the thing that you need to crack across the pulpit is that today is born in the city of David for you a savior. And uh, that is key because everybody in your congregation is going to need some saving because we're all drowning. That's right. That's right. So, I mean, I think if you were going to have an outline uh, as you get in the pulpit, it's sort of you talk about uh, how we're all actually feeling here on Christmas Eve. Uh, You can use a lot of humor there. And just talk about this idea of how we think God would come, like the SWAT team, uh, but how he actually comes, which is, as Titus says, uh, loving and kind. And then as we see in Luke, these uh, these no-good, roughneck shepherds on the field who probably are not exactly choir boys in terms of their moral status, mm-hmm. um, they're the ones that get the first announcement. It's like mm. God wants to find the people that need salvation most of all and tell them it's here. Mm. And so if you... Uh, feel like that if you're sort of out in the cold at night in your life uh, because of your poor uh, choices uh, or whatever it may be, um, this this good news of a savior is here for you. Um, and I think you know the, if, if there's if you need to sound smart, there's a wonderful quote uh, that Luther has from a sermon he preached on Christmas. This is a famous uh, Martin Luther sermon where he talks about, you know, if you're scared about what God might be uh, and how he's coming and what he might judge you for when he appears, you know, Luther says, watch this baby springing in the lap of the maiden. Mm. Laugh with him. Look upon the Lord of peace and your spirit will be at peace. See how God invites you in many ways. He places before you a babe with whom you may take refuge. You cannot fear him for nothing is more appealing to man than a baby. Mm. Gosh. That is, that's really good. I never get tired of Luther. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. So, he goes on. Now, now he's overcome the power of sin, death, hell, conscience, and guilt. If you come to the gurgling babe and believe that he has come not to judge you, but to save. Who is there whom this sight would not comfort? I mean, it's great. Mm, that is so good. And so uh, with haste, I mean, and really that 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 is summed up in peace among those whom God favors. You know, the message of the angels. 
It's not try harder. It's not do better. Start working on your New Year's resolutions. It is peace among those whom God has God favors, and you being in this room, God favors you. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, all the time in church, we want to pose these questions to like the C C and E or crowd, the Christmas and Easter crowd. You know, or do you really love God? Do you really love God? And that is like the wrong message. The message yeah. that you want to hammer home is God loves you. God loves you. Well, I don't know if I love God. It doesn't matter because God loves you. He's come to save you. He is your savior, whether you like it or not. And uh, that, uh, what we are doing is we are declaring so that people will get up and go to the place and see this child lying in a manger. Yeah. And, uh, and that is amazing. And one of the images being, being uh, articulated here with the shepherds is that all of Israel— and is coming to worship this baby, this newborn king. And then the Magi eventually, they represent in the Epiphany, and we're jumping ahead, but they represent the world. They represent the kings, you know, coming to uh, this. They represent the kings of the world coming to, of the nations coming to worship Yahweh. So you have, have the, these images right here that's, that are going on here with shepherds. All of Israel in its broken, unfaithful state is coming to pay homage to the king. And, uh, all of us, too, in our broken and unfaithful state have gathered here to pay homage to a king who says peace to you tonight. Yeah, and I think, you know, uh, one rant and one scriptural point. Uh, you know, you said um, there's always this temptation to talk to the Christmas and Easter attenders, backsliders as they are, and try to make them do something or love God more. Or to, And I think, uh, please, uh, fellow preachers of the word, no Christmas and Easter jokes. No, yeah. no guilt trips. Uh, uh, don't say anything about how it's nice to see you again. You've changed a lot since Easter or whatever. Like, don't, don't do that. Don't please just love yeah. them. Uh, right. And then, and then the, um, uh, the biblical point. I think you know. Again, we've probably we're probably giving you too much because we said in the beginning, keep it short and sweet. But um, you think about you know we've talked both last week and through the season of Advent, really, and and then this time about God working through unexpected places, the down and out, the failures of life, the the small, the least, the lost. And you see it here again in who he chooses to announce the message. So he chooses shepherds, the mm-hmm. least reputable, uh, least credible, uh, like, you know, the people you, you wouldn't want, you know, it's like, oh, the, there's some rumor starting among the rabble or whatever. Like, if you really <laughs> wanted to start at the top, you'd get the Pharisees to come from Jerusalem or something like that. But they don't right. do that. And there's like a nice bookend at the end of Jesus's life. You know, who are the wit- who's the first proclaimer of the resurrection? Women. Mary Magdalene. Yeah. Women. Yeah. So um, both at the beginning and the end of Jesus's ministry, you have these unlikely uh, announcers for what God is doing in the world because God loves to mess with us. He's got yeah. this great sense of humor and he's, he's way too serious to take himself seriously. Mm. So he's just going to work and play and do unexpected things. And maybe just maybe we'll get the idea that all of our shame and all of our failures and all of our shortcomings and all the things we hate about our bodies and all the things we haven't done right with our lives, that those are actually the places where God works, where God knows us, where God still loves us. And, um, Gosh, that is, that's where he comes to save us, and that's great news. Amen. Well, that is, that is great news, and that will speak to everybody there. That'll do it. God bless you all. We'll, uh, we'll see you uh, very soon as we talk about the first Sunday after Christmas. Yeah, blessed Advent, folks, and if I can say it, Merry Christmas. Yes, Merry Christmas. Somebody's looking.
Thanks for listening to Same Old Song, and we hope you found some nuggets that will be helpful either in your preaching or just in your life. If you liked what you heard, we would love it if you could leave a rating or review on iTunes. Dave's all will be sad if you don't. We'd like to thank the Narrativo Group for audio production. Keep that Bible by your bedside, ready to rock and roll.